Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Break Room Boys. I'm Nate, and that's Lucas. Hello, hello. We're coming to you on a Saturday, rare occasion here. Weekend Warriors. I've been sick with a sinus infection all week, and I probably still sound a little bit like shit. But uh, finally, yeah. on the on the other end of that, I can I can sleep through a night without my face feeling like there's a balloon being inflated in it. And uh, dude, I just I didn't realize, or I guess I did, but. I always get reminded how much of a bitch I am when I get sick. Because, mm-hmm. like, pain, whatever, you know, we can shrug that off as dudes. But we get sick, and put, it, oh. we might as well be on our deathbed. I'm a grumpus, dude. <laughs> and I, and I, every single time it hits me, um, I do the thing where I, I, I realize I've, I've neglected all the days where I can, like, breathe normally. And uh, I'm just like, I've totally taken every normal day for granted. Like, I'm such an such an idiot I'm so hungry <laughs> yeah. and now it's like I got the sniffles and my whole day is just ruined I can't can't taste food can't lay my head down can't breathe right like everything's just a bitch you don't sleep well uh yeah uh, I'm right there with you dude it's like uh, if I uh, the times I've actually been really injured you know I, hand, I handle it pretty well but yeah the fucking sniffles man I don't, I don't <laughs> we'll r- take really you out put me out yeah, I uh, like I had that cold just kicking my ass. I had that same uh, that same thought process though earlier this week because I'll be a week. I guess I I was a week sick yesterday, um, but I did have that thought cross my mind. I was like, "What is it like to be not sick?" Like I really take that for granted. I'm just so used to just waking up in the morning and blowing out a pound of snot and just feeling like shit all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, we're getting through that. Um, also, a little life update. Um, no longer have a job, so that's cool. Nice, dude. You got a ton of free time, though. So much free time. You spend it that way. You would think that maybe that's going to make this podcast better. I can almost assure you it will not. But, um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a bit of a weird, weird crossroads here. Because if you listen to this podcast, you know we're both two dudes in sales and uh anyone that's been in sales understands how fickle of a business it can be um when you're doing really well uh a downturn is is sure to come and when you're doing really bad you just hope that you start trucking back in that better direction um unfortunately Mm -hmm. i've now worked at two straight companies where um there just wasn't an opportunity to succeed, man. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it really kind of got me, it got me thinking a little bit because last time I lost my job, we were in a pretty tight financial spot. It was uh, very poor timing. And, um, you know, we were basically working off my income. Mary's real estate career hadn't really started taking off yet. So it was, it was really rough. It was very stressful. Didn't sleep much, no appetite, just that pit feeling in your stomach mm-hmm. 24-7 until I found a new job. And this time around, we're a little bit better off financially, so not really stressing it quite as much. But, uh, yeah, I say this is a crossroads because I don't know if I want to keep doing the sales shit or not. Yeah. it's. I mean, yeah, anyone who's been uh, kind of just in that corporate grind, like whether you're in sales or whatever uh, – it's it's got its pros and cons, but it it can just be exhausting, um, and I totally feel you. Uh, and then I, you know I've kind of had that that moment too, where it's like I don't know if I want to keep going this route. Uh, 
But then, you know, like I'm so indecisive about it. It's like, well, I've put, you know, a lot of work in it's, and I've had success, you know, some places. So it's like, do I, I want to just like start a new path. Do you just like blaze a new trail or, you know, anytime, anytime you come to the conclusion that what you're currently doing isn't right, but you don't already have like a backup plan in place. It's a, it's a scary place. Yeah, to be. exactly. Um, it's, it's really the worst situation to be in. And I mean, that's what I find myself in right now. The only difference is I've got a little bit of flexibility. I can take a little extra time to find what I really want. And if I need to step back in, um, in compensation a little bit, I, I can. Um, yeah. But if don't, you don't want to rush into another bad situation. Right. Too, you if, if you don't have that flexibility, though, the idea, the thought of a career change is terrifying. Yeah, totally. Because I knew for a fact, after I lost my last sales job, this is not really my thing, but it makes good money and it's something that I'm good at. So yeah. until I find what it is that I do want to do, it's it's a great way to build skills and keep bringing in good paychecks and all that. Yeah, that's um, the thing till you get comfortable because of the life it affords you for the most part, you know. Um, it's like, well, I, you know, it is livable and... You know, it's not, it's not like manual labor, you know, you're right. not like breaking your back every day. It can be very frustrating, but yeah, you know, typically it's like, it, you know, getting paid decently, comfortably. So yeah, it's always tough when you have to kind of make that decision. But uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are in that boat right now, you know, especially like post COVID, you know, people got like remote jobs or whatever and Maybe they didn't love it. It wasn't like their ideal situation, but, you know, they could work remotely or in a hybrid spot or whatever. Now they've kind of put time into a company. It's like, I really don't love it, but the thought of making a change is kind of scary, you know? There are, I'd say, there are, there are pretty much two different types of people that go into sales. There are the people that go into sales that are uh, all about sales. They're like, I, dude, I wake up in the morning and I'm ready to fucking sell, dude. I will go sit in my ice bath. I'll work Run out for two hours. Miles, yeah. By then it's 7 a.m. Uh -huh. And then I'm going to go in the office and make 50 cold calls before lunch. And I could, I don't care what you tell me to sell. I'll sell anything. I'll sell shit to a porta potty company. Like, I don't care. Um, mm -hmm. That's not me. Never has been. Uh, the, the other group of people are, are is me. You're either doing sales because it's what you got into, it's what you know, maybe you're good at it, but at the end of the day, this is not what you want to do for your whole career. Sure. This you know, is buying you time and this is buying you skills and, and networking opportunities to find something else. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've never been the guy, you know, I've been motivated certainly, but uh, never woken up with that, with that fire to, you know, sell whatever the fuck I was selling at the time. Uh, or, you know, it, it's, yeah, that's the thing. I just, if you're not one of those people who can find passion, you know, in anything really, then, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we're all just sort of, you know, looking for better opportunities as we go. Um, but yeah, it can, it can be a strange place, you know, as you're reaching the point where you've got a decent experience under your belt and, and, you know, like a skill set that you've like kind of worked on, but it's like, I don't know if I 
want to continue this down yeah. this road, you know? <laughs> Dude, and, and corporate life is just, it's tough. Yeah, totally. That's it, what I was saying. Even, unless you're yeah. really good at the political side of things. And, yeah, yeah. Even if you're not in. good with the, the higher ups and all that kind of, and look, I'm a very personable guy uh-huh. uh, and I can talk to any of those people, but I just don't kiss the ass necessary to, to, to really be one of those guys. Yeah. Um, and it's not even, you know, just sales like our 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 your wife my girlfriend's like they work they have worked and currently work in advertising and it's like you know companies owned by massive conglomerates like it's you know they it has its pros and cons it can be fucking exhausting at times yeah you know? but what what really hit me this time around was uh you know because obviously when you unexpectedly lose your job um what's the first thing you do you, you get on linkedin you get on indeed you go look for your next sales role. And when it happened to me this time, I was like, dude, I don't think that I can make myself do this right now. Yeah. And, and what's, what's really been weighing heavy on me is life is too fucking short to keep doing things that we don't like. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I've been at, I've been in a few companies now and none of them have, has it been just existential torture to wake up in the morning and go to work. Sure. Like, I, I don't mean that I'm miserable, but yeah. it's just not like, I'm not passionate about it. And life is entirely too short to keep doing this shit. Like, and now that I have a little bit of flexibility, I, I want to start finding what the fuck that might be. Um, but I think, I think we just as, as a people, especially in America, once you get kind of ingrained in corporate America and that's all, you know, it just becomes so scary to look beyond that into something else. But if you have the flexibility and you know, this is not for you, like we don't know how long we have on this earth totally, and, yeah. and you're, I mean, so much, a massive percentage of, of every week is spent working for these companies that do not give a fuck about us. Oh yeah. And it's. It's a, it's funny because you're right, but it also is like a weird, like a safety blanket and this like system we built where you go to, you go to school, you graduate high school, you get a, a college degree and then you get like, you know, a salary job with benefits or whatever. And then mm. you're, you're kind of locked into that mode. And yeah, even if you're a person who's, you know, not super scared of change, I think you start weighing your options and it's like, well, I've, I've, I've invested this time into it, you know? And, uh, yeah you know like you said maybe you're good at it maybe you don't like hate it every day but uh i think when we're younger we're just like we we have this idea that it's like our life will be more fulfilling when we get older it's like well we'll we'll just kind of figure everything out you know what i mean we're like we'll but then i won't have to work a job i hate i think it just sneaks up on people and it's like when is that gonna happen you know yeah it's like where is that when is that opportunity gonna come like maybe it will but uh sometimes yeah sometimes you you kind of have to make a change make it happen for yourself a little bit yeah no you absolutely do you, yeah. you have to take it by the reins because yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a conversation i had that has stuck with me and um continues to haunt me i talked to one of my old managers after i got fired because he said hey heard the news like uh let's talk and i was i was telling him about the situation and how you know i was working my ass off i was doing everything that was asked of me and then some i was staying late when no one else would and it just wasn't happening. And he was like, look, you know, I don't have any worries about your abilities and I don't have any worries about your work ethic. That's, that's not the problem here. You got to find a good situation though. And I said, well, I don't know for sure that that situation is going to be in sales. 
Um, I don't know that I'm like really passionate about it. I know I'm good at it and I know I can be successful in it, but I don't think this is for me. And he said, you know, if you held a gun to my head right now and asked me, am I passionate about sales? Um, I'd tell you probably not. I'd probably, if, if, if I could go back in time and pick something different, a different career path to go down, I might, but I've done well with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's just kind of a scary place to be in, not knowing what you want to be when you grow up and you're 31 years old. He's yeah, like, totally. well, at least you're not 57. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, dude, fuck. That can't be me. I can't let that happen, yeah. dude. Talk about hard to start over. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you're looking at another 25 years on you and it's... Uh, even, yeah, even more of a risk, even scarier, and and it's even more difficult to do. Um, and you know, I mean, thirty-one that that seems old, um, you know, because what I guess in our minds, like we don't feel that old. But uh, you know, we've only been working for you know less than ten years. Mm-hmm. You've been in the workforce, so I mean, in terms of the professional world, like you really don't have that much experience. Or, you know, you're not really that old. You can certain people certainly make career changes. Uh, you know, I mean, we saw, there was like people in our college class, you know, who were like grown adults who just like decided to go back to school and people do it and they're successful. But yeah, it's just, uh, the longer you wait, the harder it is. And, uh, yeah, but I, I totally agree. I think if you're someone who's, who's not happy with what they're doing and, and you're able to, you know, uh, make some, you gotta of rip the bandaid yeah, off. Yeah. If you have an idea of what you want to do. Yeah. I, I agree. You gotta give it a shot. But that's enough depressing stuff. I mean, I think it's kind of uplifting too. Um, I'm yeah. I'm in a, I'm in a spot right now where I'm I'm pretty optimistic about the future, uh, even given how weird the circumstances are right now, um, because I feel like I actually can go find something better now. But uh, we'll keep it moving. Let's talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. We had a hell of a Super Bowl game. Um, and I know that we're recording almost a week after the Super Bowl now, so a lot of stuff that'd be top of mind uh, no longer is, and we don't want to get into a huge breakdown of it. But uh, there were a few points that did stand out to me a lot, and of course, of course, first and for- foremost, uh, Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes, and that Brady record of what is it, seven Super Bowls? Uh, six. Is seven. it six or seven? I think he might have had. Bucks might have been seven, yeah. Anyway, um, that record appears to be very much in jeopardy. And that's crazy to say. Well, yeah, I mean, he's at least, it's feasible. It's feasible. (laughs) Given his age and the fact that he's The fact that it's even feasible is nuts. And especially because, you know, on the heels of Tom Brady's career, you know, Tom Brady didn't play in the, the 70s. Uh, he beat Mahomes in a Super Bowl. Yeah, they played <laughs> just a few years back. So it's, uh, I mean, yeah, he's amazing to watch. I think we've gotten to that point. Uh, I don't know if you saw some of the graphics and stuff. You know, it, it happened with the Warriors too, kind of on their rise. And people just get get sick of it. You know, they they want to see uh, something different. But uh, it was basically, you know, every state voting like, who do you want to win? And uh, you know, I think the first time the Chiefs played in the Super Bowl, maybe even their second one, um, it was mostly red. Like every state had voted Kansas City, and now I think you know Missouri and Kansas were like the only ones. Really, <laughs> this year maybe maybe two more. Like it was. Almost, I, there's a lot of people that don't like the Niners either. Oh, definitely. And but it was, uh, I think, it, a lot of states that were completely removed from it were, you know, non-rivals. Yeah. Uh, definitely voted San Francisco. I think it's just, you, you grow old of it. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he's fucking awesome to watch, dude. It, it happened again. You know, he got the ball late in the game. Everybody knew what was going to happen. And, 
Yeah, it was awesome. I, I think, you know, there was a lot of bitching about the game, the fact that it started slow as a punt fest in the first half. Um, it was a shitty Super Bowl in the first half. I'm not going to lie. I think it, I mean, the fact that it was a, as good of a game down the stretch and it went to overtime, I think that made up for it for the most part. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It um, it's not always going to be a, you know, I, I don't, I don't need, game. I don't need it to be a massive, just like offensive onslaught, but like something, give me something. It was very slow. Yeah. The first quarter was horrible. And, and, um, Let's talk about for a second how the Chiefs even managed to hang in there because the Niners just kicked their ass up and down the field for the for the most part in the first half. They were owning and most of the owning the, the line half. of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They were getting. I don't know if McCaffrey finished at three and a half yards a carry or something, but felt like six in the first half. Um, their defensive line was getting a whole lot of pressure in the first half, and uh, yeah, Kansas City was just. I mean, yeah, they. I don't know if they, they crossed midfield their first few drives, and it, it was it was a lot of punting. San Francisco had the early score. Um, and then, you know, it, it felt like it was like 17 nothing and half. I know the Chiefs had that field goal right before um, the, the second quarter ended, but, I mean, it, it was – it felt, you know, not nearly as close as it was. Uh, and Kansas City got the ball to open the half, and they punt the air. They, they were Mahomes threw a pick, didn't he? Yeah, I think he threw, to open threw, the half, so yeah, they turned over. Pick. And Bad it's like, pick too. It's like, San Francisco really could have put the foot on the throat there. Uh, and Kansas City D came out and just kept playing well. Even when the Chiefs weren't doing anything. So we were watching in a household that had two two massive Chiefs fans right. there. And um, even when nothing was going right for the Chiefs, I mean, their defense was, was still standing up and, and playing well, but nothing going on offensively. They were like, it's fine. Like it's cool. Like we're we're just fine. If right you now. hang, and yeah. I I just couldn't even. I couldn't identify with that. Not not even as an Alabama fan have I ever mm-hmm. like had us go down double digits in a championship game and just be like we're totally fine. Like I'm not even sweating it. Yeah, I mean one score. You know, in most situations, uh, if if you're the Chiefs or if you're you know an Alabama fan or whatever, you've got a team who who's got experience like that. You're not so freaked out about one score. Um, but this was a 10-point game for, like, a long time. And if San Francisco could have just scored again, you may get a three-score game. And then it's like you, you've got to start to panic then if you're the – you can't assume a three-score comeback. Uh, but it is nuts. I mean, they've seen it so many times. It's the same movie. And, uh, you know, they they hang around down 10, and then, you know, all of a sudden it's, it's a one-score game. And then it's like – not only are they not worried, not a, when it becomes a one-score game. Not only are they not scared. It's like they they know they're, it's they're they know how it's going to happen. Exactly, especially if it's a three-point game. Um, and yeah, San Francisco just when they needed to like put that game away or make it you know next to impossible for Mahomes, they just couldn't quite do it. So obviously, there's a lot of insane stats at play now with especially with Patrick Mahomes and what the Chiefs have done over the last few years. I mean, three Super Bowls in six years is just completely silly. Like that—that's nobody starts a career like that. Yeah. Um, although I think Brady actually did. He had three, doing, I think. He had three in his first six years, but it's so rare to see a guy just come into the league and immediately start kicking ass like that. Um, but the craziest stat to me, the one that's really stuck out, um, is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' record in playoff games while trailing by seven plus points. Um, NFL teams throughout the history of the league are 86 and 224 straight up. That's about a 27.7% winning percentage when trailing by seven or more points um, in a champion or in playoff games. 
Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are nine and two in that same scenario. Yeah, that's that's so much of a statistical anomaly that it's it, it's really just shocking when you see it. I mean, nine and two. Historically, that's a twenty-seven point seven percent chance of winning these football games, and they're nine and two. I mean, we discuss like all the time how we love college football, but you know some of the the, the final scores, the box scores are laughable on a lot of even between ranked teams. You and you so rarely see that in the NFL uh, regular season. First of all, how many games come down to one score uh, in playoff games? That's even tightened. The margins are even slimmer, and it's really hard to come back down seven or more in a playoff game uh and i mean yeah it's just a guarantee for them it's like it's it's just like again i mean you not not only are they not freaked out at all it's like we're gonna find a way to figure this out all three of and their it, super bowl wins they've trailed by 10 or more yeah all three i mean yeah last year <laughs> it's just I, last year, I, I know Philly fans, like, I don't know how confident they were, especially the ones, like, in the stadium. But I think a lot of people were like, oh, well, this is – they've got this. You know, this is this is their game. And uh, it, it happened again this year, and you can just see it unfolding. I mean, even after the Niners' last possession, McCaffrey's got a towel on his head. He can't even watch the Chiefs. <laughs> but, I mean, everyone knew what was going to happen, dude, and it still happened. Um, it was just – and it's just a textbook drive by them at the end of the game. Uh, milk the clock all the way down, and then, you know, run that play on the goal line. And it's just they, – they did it again, dude. But I got to ask, what the fuck were the Niners doing in overtime? The, why would you – why would you the ball third. Why, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is the dumbest thing I've Have ever heard. Have you seen heard. the clip like Mahomes' face when they – well, it's also not been a great look. Um, have they – the 49ers – uh, players have said like they weren't even aware of the playoff rule, ch- the overtime rule change, and the Chiefs were like, "Yeah, we talked about it in training camp. Like we practiced this all year." And uh, you can see like the the shock on their face when the 49ers chose to receive when they won that coin toss in OT, and uh, you know they put up a field goal, but it's it's like, man, why? I don't know why. I really, and I guess like I've heard people explain it, but it just still to me, and I'm not I'm not a head coach. I mean, I. I I respect Kyle Shanahan a lot, but it was fucking surprising. Yeah, that they took the ball because the Especially, Chiefs. I mean, the, the Chiefs have said since, even if they would have scored a touchdown on that first possession, and the Chiefs would have matched it, they would have gone for two. So it, just, it, it really nullifies the third possession thing. I, I completely exactly, I, and I don't know how you ultimately you don't say I want the ball, knowing what I have to do. I want, I mean, you know, I want the other team to to have the ball first, and then I want it knowing exactly if I need three or if I need seven. It just seems like the best position to be in. I mean, yeah, I was really, really surprised when when that played out live. Uh, and I, I thought maybe I misinterpreted the rule. I was like, oh, maybe if, if – surely not. But I thought maybe if they score first, they win. You know, the old rule, you win the toss, yeah. you get the ball and score, and it's over. But I was like, that can't be the case in a playoff game. And it, it wasn't. And they kick a field goal, and it – it's not enough, you know. Um, but yeah, I think I, I mean I thought the ending of the game made it very enjoyable. I thought these were, you know, the, the 49ers were just a wagon all year. Um, it does suck for those guys that have now lost that game twice. But uh, I mean, you know, I think there's a very good chance they're going to be back in the mix the next couple of years. We'll see what they can do. But I thought Brock Purdy played pretty well for most of the game. Yeah. I, I you know I thought he was pretty sharp. 
people have been pretty tough on him. But it's you know, <laughs> I thought he he went to OT with uh, you know the now three time Super Bowl. He's, winner and MVP. He's so. going to have to prove himself against that Mr. Irrelevant pick the, his entire career. Oh, Anytime yeah. he does anything, he's going to get massacred. I, I hate the Niners, but Brock Purdy just does not get the respect that he deserves. Yeah, The dude's a good quarterback. Like, he's really good. Um, he made a few plays where the, uh, Kansas City pressured him, and he somehow got rid of it either over the middle or, like, to McCaffrey out of the backfield. And uh, he just uh, – you know, he seems – he doesn't seem – freaked out or the, like the moment's too big for him. He just was, you know, Patrick Mahomes got the ball, uh, you know, at the end of regulation, then they got it second in overtime, and you just think, like, that guy's going to win. That the guy's best, going to score. The best way I can describe Brock Purdy, when you look at him on the field or on the sideline or whatever, uh, he'll show some emotion after big plays, but for the most part, he just has this deadpan, like – just blank stare on his face at all times. Like he, he looks like somebody was just picked up and dropped into a stadium as a football player. And they're just like trying to gather in what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like I, I I don't mean he sound, he, he like looks confused, but he just looks like he doesn't quite understand exactly what's going on around him or that he's playing for the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah. Just this deadpan look of like it, and it doesn't even come across as like confidence. It's just like nothingness. A little bit of like Eli Manning syndrome, but not <laughs> not quite as much dumb face, but just not a, dumb a, face, a bit just of, like complete expressionless like face, like apathy face. <laughs> it's just like like he's got to clean up the stay, like he's got to help clean up after the game or something. It's like he's yeah. I, I, but, but but it the play he, like when you when you match that 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 look that he's got with his play in these big spots. It, I mean, it is, it's very much just confidence and, and being comfortable in the situation he's in. And, uh, man, I think a lot gets made about professional athletes and their ridiculous athletic abilities. But the, the thing that really sets apart a pro athlete from the regular human being is when they get in these moments of pressure and the entire world is watching like the ability to continue to deliver, especially when you look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes that just does it so consistently. Uh, Steph Curry's another example. You know, these people that just get best when all of the lights are on them and, and it's all on the line. Yeah. Dude, I, I, most people would shit their pants in those situations well, even the, and, and just crumble. Even a lot of the people who are, you know, elite, like athletically or skill wise, like they turtle when that moment, when it's their moment, you know, to step up and, and win a game that, that matters like that. Uh, and, and I mean, he's the, that's just why, like, we're having these discussions about him and comparing him to Tom Brady. It's, it's cause he's been so good when he absolutely has to be good. Um, and yeah, that's just kind of what separates him. I don't. I mean, yeah, Brock Purdy. I don't know what you know what his career is going to pan out like. But you're right. I think people are going to hold that his draft position against him, or you know his college stats against him, or whatever, or this loss. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a good game. I'm, I'm I, I was sad the moment it ended. <laughs> you know, this, yeah, the season wrapped up. Here we are. Here, here we, we are, are again. Yeah. Football's gone. Um, it really sucks, man. It really <laughs> sucks when you when you stare down the barrel of of no football for how many months now? I mean, it's just so long. It's going to be such a long off season. Um, but what's going to make it a little bit shorter 
is we've got confirmation that EA Sports College Football 25 is for sure coming this summer. Um, we, it's Hell something yeah. that's been in the works for a while, obviously, and we've been hearing the rumors, we've been seeing uh, stuff leak about when it might happen. It's always been a July release when the, the original NCAA football series was going. But uh, it's, it's been 10 years now since we've had a game released, or mm-hmm. actually a little bit more than that. And this has to be the most, the most sought after, the, the most anticipated game release of all time. I, it has to be. I don't see what could beat it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe GTA 5 was. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe GTA Six even. Maybe GTA but, Six might be, but other, aside from that, I, I don't. A sports game, it's gotta be. There, there can't be because the difference between GTA and, and college football video games is, you can still play GTA on the newest console. Correct. You gotta have a PS3 or an Xbox 360 if you still want to play NCAA 14. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's it, it. Again, I mean as far as sports games go, it's gotta be number one. Um, I mean, you and I are playing the the ten year old version of it, you know, and it's still like it still holds up well. I don't, I don't know. Is this game? Let me ask you. Do you think it's going to be any good? And is it even going to matter how good it is? You know, are people just going to be happy enough that we have it? I have no idea what to expect. Is the gameplay going to get cr- critiqued heavily, or is yes. it even going to matter? Because we're just like, as long as it's playable people are going to just be happy that well that's going to be me yeah totally i'll still bitch about the things that i don't like but if you give me a game where i can run a dynasty and recruit and especially if there's like nil and transfer transfer portal stuff in it um i will enjoy it just for that just just to play it for what it is um do i have my doubts about how good the actual gameplay will be of course i mean we've seen what they've done with madden which I do think some of the Madden stuff is a little overblown. Agreed. But, um, yeah, there, there are a lot of improvements that could be made there. I think and there's it's a built de- off yeah. the Madden engine. Yeah. I think there's a decent chance it kind of sucks. But I really don't think it's going to matter a ton. No. Because I think the fact that it's been 10-plus years and that you and I and, and thousands of other people uh, are playing, uh, you know, the last game they put out that was on – Two two generations ago, or what was it? PS three, yeah, three sixty, yeah. So we're talking two generations of game system. I mean, it's it, it's you know, it's what the people want. I think uh, like above all else, we're going to be happy that we can just play it. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I just I want it to be decent. You know, I've I've people ever since it's been confirmed. I've seen that discussion a lot. It's like, is it? Are they going to rush it out? Is it going to be okay? Um, and it's like. Will it even fucking matter at all? <laughs> I don't like, think so, man. I really don't. No, I don't. I don't know. People just want it so bad. We haven't. We also, if for anyone, I guess, who missed it or doesn't give a shit, like we haven't actually seen any gameplay. There's, there's been nothing, no trailer of the actual gameplay put out. So we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't have a, a single clip. The, the, first, uh, the first trailer that they came out with this week had some renderings from the game, which look amazing. Absolutely amazing, but like you said, no gameplay. I, I believe we're looking at the May time frame for an actual full trailer release. Um, and I, I, dude, I need that like I need oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, we obviously we can't wait. And and I'll say this: if the game sucks ass to the point where it's no fun to play, I will happily keep firing up the PS3. Yeah, because that one's just fine. Yeah, I mean the old version plays just well. Uh, oh, but uh, yeah, man. I mean this is this is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna be doing absolutely. I'm gonna sleep so poorly, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. uh, <laughs> like from the moment this comes out until I mean. I may never sleep well again. The honestly. amount, because then, because then, real football is going to start shortly after, uh, and it's like it's just going to be. I'm going to do absolutely nothing in my free time. The the amount of people that are going to be taking PTO come July. Oh man, I, I might take a full week. Yeah, just get a dynasty going. Just get three or four years into a dynasty in one yeah. week. Just really emerge myself, <laughs> or immerse. Emerge. Okay, that makes sense. Do what you got to do. But, yeah, obviously super exciting stuff. Sucks that we're losing football, but, man, we've got some good stuff to look forward to. Um, Something I'm not looking forward to this year is we've got uh, Major League Baseball is back. Uh, Pitchers and catchers reported this week. So spring training is right around the corner. And a change that we're going to see this year that nobody seems to be too excited about except for Jason Hayward. Um, oh, is he on board? Yeah, I think that he was paid by Fanatics or Nike to give uh-huh. a, a review. But basically what's going on here is Nike and Fanatics have teamed up to release the, the new MLB uniforms. And Nike's been in charge for the, the past few years, and they've signed a deal with Fanatics for manufacturing. And anybody that has bought anything off Fanatics knows how terrible that that could potentially turn out. Well, unfortunately, it appears that our worst our worst nightmare is coming true. Um, the new the the official MLB uniforms look terrible. They suck. They're, they're awful. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what went into some of the decision making on this. They've got teams' colors wrong. Um, they they've made like these small changes that really piss people off. The nameplates on the back look awful. They're yeah. smaller and they're like curved for the longer names. Um, it's just it, they look like trash. And then the the replica jerseys that people can buy now are fanatics branded and they look like shit. Yeah. The hundred seventy five dollar version is screen printed. Yeah, it looks horrible. Um, it's. Yeah, I don't know what was behind this decision. I haven't researched that a ton. I just heard, you know, it was, it was Fanatics, and then that Nike had approved it, not designed it, whatever. Uh, who cares? I, th- I think everybody <laughs> – I mean, you've seen play, a lot of players bitch about it. Um, hopefully it'll – we can get it changed, you know. I mean, like cause enough ruckus and just make them do something. The MLBPA is already involved. I, yeah, I saw that as well. Um, I mean, yeah, they just look dumb. There's no other way – I mean – you know, maybe you somebody would look at this and be like, I don't see that big of a difference. But, I mean, it is just – it it was really a just completely unnecessary change, and it does ultimately just, like, make it look like an AliExpress jersey, like, completely bootlegged. Uh, yeah. You know, which is fine. You know, got to do what you got to do sometimes. But, like, the actual players shouldn't be wearing those. <laughs> you know, like, me and you should buy those for, you know, highly discounted. But – uh yeah, it just it's a very odd move, but I mean, just one of the many things that the MLB, you know, does, and it's like, you know, I know this was like a, a sponsorship thing; it wasn't from the league office necessarily, but it's just like, what, why, what, what the, the hell? The is main this? issue here is that Fanatics has somehow 
just come in and taken over the sports world in general. Yeah. Every major league, you transact through Fanatics to, to get the, the team-sponsored apparel. Is that Michael Rubin? Is he the, yeah. the founder of Fanatics? And that guy's Satan himself, I guess, because <laughs> – Dude, everything you get off Fanatics takes forever to get to you, That's and true. it's shitty quality. It's it's really not good. I got a, a Dallas Stars jersey shirt. Like, it's a t-shirt, dude. Like, I you can't fuck that up. But yes, you can. Somehow, the fourteen on the back of my jersey was transposed a little bit onto the front, so like you can see a very faint. 14 on the front of the jersey like oh, on nice. the front of the shirt nice um and anything that i've gotten that's fanatics branded mary's got a fanatics branded uh stars jersey i've got the legit one night and day difference oh and by the way fanatics is going to be the nhl jersey producer starting next year oh very good yeah, yeah. so some of the highest skilled highest paid athletes in the world will be wearing some of the shittiest possible jerseys and there, it's going to be every league soon enough. And, I mean, the amount of money that Fanatics takes in with these deals, to put out such shitty, low-quality stuff, is it's a joke. Yeah. And, and I, I don't see anybody out there really defending it, is the thing. Like, sure. They're doing this in broad daylight, and they know how terrible the reviews are, and they don't care. It's yeah. all about the bottom line. Yeah, it is so... I mean, I, you know, I, I guess everyone's got their, like, allegiances when it comes to apparel. I don't think there's really any arguing that, like, when it comes to the jerseys that the professionals actually wear, you know, not not the cheapest thing you and I can buy on a team store. Um, but, like, what they're actually wearing, like, Nike, Under Armour, whoever, like, they make very high-quality jerseys, like, for the athletes, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's just funny now. <laughs> They're just wearing, like, discount fan wear. <laughs> like these guys make tens of millions of dollars a year. Uh, and it's, it's, it's nuts. Um, yeah, I don't know. Everybody seems to be pretty pissed off with it. And, yeah, hopefully, like I said, it'll be enough of an uproar that something will have to be done. Just better your shit. Like, just improve it. I don't I – don't. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Do you want to – is this the image that you're going for? Um, yeah, it just – it sucks to see. And, you know, one thing I was really looking forward to – I haven't bought a I haven't bought a Texas Rangers jersey in a while. But go to a lot of Rangers games, very much like the Rangers. I really wanted to get one of their World Series uniforms when, they, when those drop. Every World Series winning team over the last few years has gotten, like, a gold-trimmed jersey. Um, I've got the Braves one, and I was looking forward to buying the Rangers one, but now I'm going to have to get a shitty Fanatics one and spend a fuck ton of money for it it's just bullshit, for it to dude. fall apart in a, in a matter a of two washes, years. A couple washes, yeah. So, like, it'll, well, be, it'll be see-through before you know it. I've seen people online saying that they, like, ever since this move has started being made, um, you know, they're like, I don't buy the, the team-issued apparel <laughs> off Fanatics, like, I, I literally go on DHgate and I order a Chinese jersey, and they're way better quality. It's much better, yeah. Ah, Major League Baseball, so fucking dumb sometimes. But yeah, it's. Uh, I was telling you today, I opened the ESPN app and I'm seeing you know baseball games on the schedule, which is crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, it's just around the corner. Yeah. Um. All right, let's get on to some news topics. The first one I wanted to talk about. This was from a couple weeks ago, I suppose. 
Um, got a story out of Jasper, Alabama, and this is a, this is very much like an only in fucking Alabama thing here. Um, the owner of an Alabama radio station in Jasper is stunned and out a lot of money after thieves made off with his 200-foot radio tower. They stole a 200-foot tower. I, I don't understand how that's even possible. I don't even know where to begin here. Um, I mean, the, he has got to be stu- – I don't know if he's more stunned or out of money because it, it, this was, was not insured. Um, and they stole a lot of stuff we'll get into. But, I mean, how – you, there's no way you even consider this a possibility if you own a radio tower, correct? Absolutely I mean, there, not. There's no. We talked about uh, I think a long time ago, early in the podcast. There was like two fellows, maybe in Louisiana, who tried to make away with a house. Remember that? <laughs> they like drove down the road with a house and they were just taking out poles and <laughs> and other shit. This is even crazier because he talks about the age of the tower too and you know those bolts are old and rusted like he doesn't even know how this was disassembled this was not a small tower that you can even break apart like this had to be cut down how the hell did they lug it out of there um this is this has to be the first of its kind (laughs) i mean kudos to the to these thieves like this is nuts I'll, i'll tell you what there there is nothing you can put past some country fucking Alabama. Tweakers. I mean, these fellows definitely have welding or some sort of, you know, experience with cutting through steel or, you know, metal of some sort. And they had to have the equipment to haul it out of there. Who knows how many trips they made. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it said, uh, you know, they expect, inspected the property. And this is like not something you can easily overlook. It was also a dead end, like dirt road. No way, you know, you would have found it on the property and it was nowhere to be seen. Um, they found out because the landscapers showed up. Correct. And uh, Brett Elmore is the owner of the radio station. Um, he receives a call, and uh, landscaper <laughs> tells him, uh, Brett, we're down here, and the tower's gone. Yeah, your tower's gone. He said, the tower's gone. He said, yeah, the tower's gone. <laughs> it, a 200-foot tower. How is, is obviously the first question, but also why? What are you going to do with that? Like, you just going to build it back up somewhere across town? You're like, well, I don't there's know. a new tower in my backyard now. I'm not super well versed in, <laughs> uh, in, in, in thievery of like scrap metal and scrap parts. I know like it can be like melted down or, you know, or sold. It, you know, I, I don't know what has to be done, you know, for this to be, to be carried out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, surely not. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you're gonna get caught then. You you think right? Like you think someone would recognize the missing tower if you just rebuilt it and put it up somewhere? But I don't know what the hell the plan was. I don't know how long it took them to like cut this down into movable pieces or what. Undetected at that. I mean, this yeah, a clean getaway <laughs> with a fucking tower, a radio tower. I can't get two hundred feet is so tall. How big two hundred yeah, feet it's is? Massive. Dude, that's so much fucking metal. Yeah, <laughs> that's an enormous. I mean, yeah that. He, uh, he called his engineers in the Alabama Broadcasters Association and then went to the Jasper Police Department to file a theft report. They said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, you'd fucking think so. Um, AM's off the air, clearly. He's still got an FM tower working on the other side of town. Um, but, I mean, yeah, and it's like I said, it wasn't insured. The transmitter building also got vandalized. I mean, these gentlemen, 
they they really hit him out you know with a left hook like out of nowhere this this can't even be something you are afraid of uh, as a radio operator um again I mean, what else have these guys pulled off <laughs> what other enormous structures in in this area of Alabama have have gone missing that we can maybe attribute to these men I, I'm, I'm just – I'm completely at a loss here. I, I mean, this is like – this is like wondering how the pyramids went up. It's like yeah. – was something extraterrestrial involved here? I don't see how this is humanly possible to, to get away with this. Yeah, this is ancient alien shit. I mean, there's <laughs> they had to have help from extraterrestrials. There's no way to – like, you know, I, I say two, at least two – and possibly up to 50 mortal men <laughs> could get away with this, dude. I mean, this, yeah, there's the, uh, surely they've been spotted on somebody's camera somewhere, making down the road with an enormous heap of metal. <laughs> uh, again, I don't know how many trailers or, or flatbeds they had involved here, but I mean, this is a, uh, this is not, this doesn't seem like something, you know, you can sneak away with. Dude, what kind of fucking maniac sees a 200 foot radio tower, goes, I want that. And then makes it happen? Yeah. What the fuck? What kind of fucked up magician are you, dude? <laughs> That's, I mean, how desperate were these boys? They're, they're stealing maybe the most obvious thing you could steal. <laughs> Let me think about just like just things, items that cost a lot, you know, that are small, like, like, like diamonds or whatever, you know, something you can conceal. He's like, no, let's pick the tallest goddamn thing in this town <laughs> and, and, and take that down. Um, I mean, yeah, dude, think about the sound it made, like if they, you know, when it collapsed or whatever, and then they had to fucking cut through it. Surely on site, you can't pull you away. Imagine. You can't lug away the thing in one piece. <laughs> they had to cut it up like on site. Um, this is tremendous work by, by these two. Uh, again, too, I don't know how accurate that is by these, this gang of criminals. I mean, this is outstanding. Yeah, I I really have to see an update on this. Was this done in one night or like a weekend? I'm guessing probably Friday to Monday. I I, like that. No idea. This is this is nuts. (laughs) It's dedication (laughs) to your craft, though, for sure. Um, Speaking of stealing large, noticeable things, we had a guy in New York City uh, who tried to steal the building that he lived in. Um, not quite in the same way. He wasn't taking it apart piece by piece and moving it. It I mean, it would have been equally impressive i don't know what you know i guess there's more <laughs> bricks involved there's more pieces involved but it's equally absurd it, it is a rather absurd story we've got a guy who uh lived in a new york city uh building it, it's actually the the uh, new yorker hotel the new yorker hotel he, he managed to live there rent free for five years yeah uh we always you always hear about new york city rent and how how much you pay for how shitty of a living situation it gets you um, rent free is pretty solid. I don't even care what your room it's looks like, like. People aren't doing enough research and uh, into loopholes like this. Um, but yeah, this guy somehow found himself in a great situation and um, and fumbled the fucking bag. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting let me getting pop ups here. Let me make my way back. Yeah, he was doing great. I mean, he was like in a cush situation, and um, you know the hotel had tried to remove him. Um, because he had he had tried to get a key from them, to which they said no, fuck off. Um, and then their lawyers did not appear in court for the hearing, and so he won by default. Meaning, um, and let me find the the statute here. Um, essentially, any building built 
after where is before it? 1969. Yeah, before 1969. In, in New York City, and this is the oddest rule that I've ever the, I've ever heard. Yeah, of. The, how is this still around? But you can just go into any any New York City building built before 1969 in a one bedroom room, and, and you can basically demand a six month lease. Right. And they have no lawful ability to say no or kick you out. He claimed that because he'd paid for a night in the hotel, he counted as a tenant. Um, he asked for a lease. The hotel promptly kicked him out. So that's what he had asked for a lease and a key uh, permanently. And they said no. Um, so I went to court the next day. The judge denied. I appealed to the state Supreme Court and I won the appeal. Uh, he added that at a crucial point in the case, lawyers for the building's owners did not show up, allowing him to win by default. The judge ordered the hotel to give Barreto a key. He said he lived there until July 2023 without paying any rent because the building's owners never wanted to negotiate a lease with him, but they couldn't kick him out. And so for five years, um, he somehow was able to have a lease in the eyes of the state of New York uh, and could not be removed from this building. Uh, And that (laughs) somehow wasn't enough for this fucking guy. I think any of us would be so thrilled that you somehow weaseled your way into this situation. Like, like you got a free fucking room in New York, and uh, that just that, that's not enough. You got you got no gotta, fuck that. Take the whole building. Uh, yeah, which, which is, is exactly what, what he tried to do. Yeah. So he's been proce- he's he's facing prosecution because uh, our our boy here Mickey Barreto went too far when he filed paperwork claiming ownership of the entire New York hotel building, and he tried to charge another tenant rent. I mean, fucking egregious, <laughs> egregious! Not only do I not pay anything, these you other people pay me. Money. You, are, you, my neighbors will pay me. Um, I mean, what a con this dude tried to pull off. Um, he couldn't just be happy with, with no rent, dude. He tried to... In perpetuity. He tried to make a profit from this building. Um, On Wednesday, he was arrested and charged with filing false property records, but Barreto, 48, says he was surprised when police showed up at his boyfriend's apartment with guns and bulletproof shields. As far as he's concerned, it should be a civil case, not a criminal one. I said, oh, I thought you were doing something for Valentine's Day to spice up the relationship until I saw the female officers. This guy's a clown. <laughs> This kinky clown, dude. He didn't thought it, he was in no threat of danger. <laughs> you thought that this was all just going to go over so smoothly. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's we've had this discussion in many ways, but it, that's what separates I think the normal people like you and I who you know worry about things like our job security or, or finances or whatever. This guy's just like he's trying to falsely claim ownership of a, a whole fucking building. And he's just like a very large historic downtown he, New York City building. He's just sleeping, you know, peacefully every night. He finally the, the cops show up at his door, which you'd think would be the thing that most people are, are like waiting on or afraid of at any moment. You're like, I've fucked up supremely. Like I'm gonna be caught. And he thinks his boyfriend's like they're bringing strippers over. Like this is <laughs> he's like, surely I'm not getting in trouble for this. Hey boys. Yeah. He's like, you you can't be here for legal reasons. Um. That, I mean, yeah, this is just astounding levels of delusion, fucking greed. Like, this is a... I mean, your entire worldview probably does change a little bit when you find out that you can live in downtown Manhattan for nothing. That's very true. You're like, what else could I get away what, with? What can I do? How far can I take this? Manhattan prosecutors acknowledge that the housing court gave Barreto 
possession of his room, but they say he didn't stop there. In 2019, he uploaded a fake deed to a city website <laughs> supporting to transfer ownership of the entire building to himself from the Holy Spirit Association for the Unification of World Christianity, which, which bought the property in 1976. The church was founded in South Korea by a self-proclaimed Messiah, mm. the late Reverend Sun Myung Moon. He then tried to charge oh, various... Oh, I think I'm familiar with this. Are you? Yeah. I've, I've never heard I of I missed this part of the article, but I think I, I am familiar with this, uh, this fella. I need to research him. That, um, it, holy shit, man, yeah. He then tried to charge various entities as the owner of the building, including demanding rent from one of the hotel's tenants, registering the hotel under his name with the New York City Department of Environmental Protection for water and sewage payments, and demanding the hotel's bank transfer its accounts to him. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's fucking going for it. He's going he for left broke. no box unchecked, man. He tried to get the fucking bank set up in his name? Yeah. I mean, he was like one step from getting the building insured and then burning it to the ground. I think like he was, I mean, this guy was well on his way to just like full circle fraud. Located a block from Madison Square Garden and Penn Station. <laughs> yeah. The New Yorker has never been among the city's most glamorous hotels, but it has long been among its largest. Its huge red New Yorker sign makes it an off photo photograph landmark. Um, Nikola Tesla lived at the hotel for a decade. NBC broadcasted from the hotel's terrace room. Boxers, including Muhammad Ali, stayed there when they had bouts at the garden. It closed as a hotel in 72 and was used for years for church purposes before the building reopened as a hotel in 94. Um, so he was sued by the Unification Church in 2019 over the deed claim, including his representations on LinkedIn as the building's owner. <laughs> the case is ongoing. But a judge ruled that Barreto can't portray himself as the owner Dude, of, of the course, meantime. Of course, he's also a LinkedIn fraud. Is there <laughs> is that, could it be less surprising? Oh, my God. I never intended to commit any fraud. I don't, I don't believe I ever committed any fraud, Barreto said. And I never made a penny out of this. You tried. He sure gave it a shot. <laughs> he gave it the old college try. Um he said his legal wrangling is activism aimed at de denying profits to the Unification Church. So he's in it for a good reason, I guess. Uh, he just wants to make sure that this other organization doesn't get their money. You know, it's, it's like it's like Peter Pan, except he he just robs everyone for his own good. Robin Hood. Or Robin Hood, Hood. I guess Peter, Peter Pan, too. Did Peter? What did Peter Pan do? He just stayed a, a young boy forever. Uh, which I, I don't know. This guy might be in this guy's <laughs> agenda too. <laughs> both, both goofy looking twinks. He was surrounded <laughs> by young men. So I, you know, um, probably doesn't hate that that profile either. But it's, uh, I mean, yeah, you got to give credit in some degree, that because this guy's going to get his. You have to imagine uh, it's, he's going to be cracked down on. Uh, and, and probably criminal and civil suits. Uh, though I guess it, he didn't ultimately take a lot of money from people. He certainly did try. Um, that's not taken lightly, usually in the eyes of the government. Um, so for the time being, I think you've got to give him his credit for at least, you know, just being absurdly ballsy and just yeah. completely unrightfully confident in his ability to, like, pull off this this weird heist. Uh, <laughs> It's so crazy. He had it so good. Like he got so lucky. He got so lucky being able to live there for free 
for fucking five years in this like perfect location. And uh, yeah, he just said he could not help himself, dude. That just w- was not enough. He had to keep boosting that LinkedIn profile. Just, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what's crazier. This guy thinking he can pull this off or someone thinking they can steal a 200-foot tower. I know one of them actually happened, though. Yeah. You'd, th- you'd think that'd be less likely than forging documents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, just just insane. It's pre- this guy's probably going to be uh, locked up for a bit once things get, get sorted out in court. But, uh, yeah, hell of a try. Absolutely. Um, well, let's let's keep it moving. Let's get to our next topic. Um, companies suck. Uh, we big companies suck. We we've known this for a while. Uh, it's it's evident in everyday life. HP is now wanting you to pay a subscription to use your printer, um, and this is this is kind of this is a trend with all sorts of things where you don't think that that a subscription could be charged for the most mundane things. But, dude, paying a subscription to use your printer is the most outlandish and crazy thing I've ever heard. We've, we've got another company that we're going to talk about, too, because these things kind of tie together. It's also, you know, from what I gather, I don't work in IT or anything, but, um, and you, I guess you would know better than me, but printers seem to be the most lamented you know, frustrating fucking piece of of equipment you can have in any office. It's like they have issues with almost everything, it seems. And, you know, people hate using them to begin with. And, uh, yeah, so the idea of paying for something you hate using is probably not going to go over well with the public. Yeah. Um, and, and the justification is nonsensical. Um so as you just mentioned, printers are one of the main, or one of the banes of modern computing, expensive and frustrating relics that are nonetheless occasionally necessary. Um, over the last few years, HP seems to be doing its best to make them even more expensive and frustrating by milking the infamously exploitative ink market until both the literal and metaphorical cartridge runs dry. After enraging customers by blocking third-party ink and bricking printers with dodgy firmware, HP CEO recently said that the said the quiet part out loud um, in an interview with CNBC last week during the World Economic Forum uh, in Davos. HP HP CEO Enrique Lores gave a few choice quotes in response to a recent lawsuit over HP software updates that block ink cartridges from non-HP sources. He started by saying, "I think for us, it's important to protect our IP." There is a lot of IP that we built in in the inks of the print heads and the print heads itself and the printers. And what we're doing is when we identify cartridges that are violating our IP, we stop the printer from working. So if that's all you did, that's shitty. But I get it. Uh, but to not to not stop there, and then to, to go on to now make it to where um, you're now going to have to pay a whether a monthly or annual subscription to use your printer. I mean, I don't need too many reasons to want to beat the shit out of a printer with a baseball bat, but yeah, uh, this well, might I mean, actually take me to that point. I mean, yeah, like I said, it doesn't even work half the time anyway, um, you know, when it's free. And the, I mean, that's like, wouldn't, 
It's like instead of like taking your car to the dealership to get service, you went to a take five or something and it just immediately broke down like when you pulled away. Uh, that that kind of like exclusivity that brands use, especially for a fucking printer. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's makes you furious. My question here is, is this something where the competition looks at this and says, oh, hell yeah, we should do this too? Or is this something that they go, uh, well, here's how we differentiate ourselves in the market now. You We're take, not going to do that dumb shit. You take a moral stance on printing, <clears throat> you know? I don't know, man. It, here's the thing, too. There's just not that much need for printers anymore. Everything's electronic. So I guess you got to get all the money for it that you can if, if you're still producing these things. But, like, dude, it's not enough of a necessity to be trying to pull this shit off. Right. I mean, how often do you print at home? Never. I, I, well, first of all, I can't, I don't own a printer. Same. I don't feel the need to own a printer though. If I really need something printed off, I can go to the UPS or FedEx store and get something printed off for pennies. Yeah, exactly. I think most people are, are in that situation. It's no longer. Yeah. We talked about, you know, the days of MapQuest when, you know, you needed the printer to to function in the world but uh yeah it's everything is electronic now i know offices it's a little different but um i mean yeah this does seem like an outrageous step to take um yeah i mean i guess he did essentially come out and say it (laughs) it was like hey we want you to buy our shit at our marked up price and um yeah that's just the way it's gonna have to be at the risk of being reductive, it seems like a lot of HP has invented a problem uh, and then supplied the solution, which just happens to which just happens to include locking out third-party ink suppliers, locking customers into massively overpriced ink. HP is being accused of unfairly forcing customers to buy first-party ink in a federal class action lawsuit in the U.S. after locking down printers that were previously compatible with third-party cartridges via software updates. Um, yeah, so they're just trying to monopolize the, the printing game, it seems. Yeah, well, I mean, good luck. I, I, because, again, it, your, your competition, which does exist, is going to look at this one of two ways. They're either going to say, hey, that's a fantastic idea. Maybe we should milk our customers for everything they've got as well. Or uh, they're going to say, hey, we're not going to do that, so why don't you buy our printers instead? Um, But yeah, this ties together with another story that I saw earlier this week, and that's uh, Amazon Prime. So Prime Video has made a change to their subscription structure where now if you want to use your fancy soundbar and surround sound and you want to get HDR video quality, um, you're not going to be able to get that in the standard rate that you pay. You're going to have to spend an extra $2.99 a month in order to get the capabilities that used to just come standard. And if you had a good enough TV and you had a surround sound system, obviously it would work with those. Um, Yeah, no longer the case. What the fuck are we doing, man? Like, (laughs) They know they can do it, man. (laughs) That's why. That's why Netflix and YouTube and uh, Hulu, whatever else, uh, have locked locked down on your IP address when it's like sharing usernames and passwords and... You have to have a home location, and it's just, yeah, I mean, they know that, you know, any measure they can take to make make more individuals pay, um, that's what they're going to do because they can do it. You know, that's kind of the space we're in right now with the, having to pay for every different streaming platform. 
Uh, and Amazon does, you know, if, if you can't find a movie or a show that's on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, you normally can buy it or rent it on Amazon. And so they're like, yeah, make, make fucking people pay a couple more bucks a piece and, and then people will do it, you know? But it, yeah, it's crazy. Amazon Prime Video was originally only available as part of an overarching Amazon Prime subscription. Yeah. Um, most people have Amazon Prime because, you know, primarily because you pay what comes out to $15 a month or $139 a year to get free two-day, one-day, and same-day shipping. Now you have to pay an extra 18% to get the full audio and visual quality experience that you were that you previously had. Um <laughs> So not, yeah, this is the other part of this. So they kind of baked this part into the new ad-free experience with Amazon Prime, which, by the way, Prime Video didn't used to have ads. Right. So you had to pay the extra $2.99 a month to get rid of the ads. But now they're like, oh, yeah, and by the way, you got to have that if you want your all your bells and whistles. Uh, I mean, everything's going to be a fucking subscription at some point. Mm-hmm. We're going to be subscribing to gasoline and clothing. Yeah, and flushing our toilet. You have to swipe a card. Uh, I mean, look, we've, we've always known that these massive corporations are the bane of existence. Um, you, you can't live with them, can't live without them. But uh, this shit's getting out of hand. You gotta you gotta pay a subscription to use your printer. You gotta pay a subscription to use the 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 TV and the the fucking audio equipment that you purchased. Unless you want standard def. Yeah, really <laughs> strong. Really here? strong arming us, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've put them in a position where you know they can get away with it. Um, and I mean, yeah, you've seen. What a lot have of, I done to do that? Yeah, exactly. You've seen a lot of people pissed off over the the things I mentioned with Netflix and stuff and. Who knows if it's actually going to really affect their bottom line. But, um, yeah, I mean, anything they can do to, you know, milk us a little more, they're, they're going to do. Well, this is typically where we move on to r slash uh, today I fucked up and uh, just completely neglected to find one. So nice. I've, been, I've been combing through them while trying to carry on conversation. And... Uh, if you ever do a podcast where you do these things, you start to realize how difficult it is to find ones worth reading, whether it's the content or if they're just entirely too long, you're not going to do it. Um, so let's just roll the dice. Uh, here, I just found one. Let's 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 run with it. I haven't read it. I don't know what we're getting into. Sure. Uh, but it, it looks to be about the length that I prefer. So let's do it. Today I fucked up when I learned a language to impress a girl. Obligatory, this didn't happen today, but years ago. I just didn't bother to post it. I was in college studying computer science. I don't know much about languages or what most of them even sound like, but had to take a language course, so I signed up for Spanish. I had a business services class to take as well. Not sure why, but anyway. In that class, there was a Chinese girl right next to me. She barely knew any English, as I overheard her only speaking in Chinese, but she was gorgeous. I didn't know what to even say because I don't know the language. She had a friend who was translating to the class for her. I said, hey, but the translator said she doesn't speak English. Before I said anything back, the professor interrupted and started class. I thought, let me learn that language and impress her. I overheard her friend talking to someone else saying, oh, nice, I speak Chinese too and multiple languages also. 
So I was still in the grace period, I guess you can say, where you can drop a class. So I dropped Spanish and took Chinese. I took the class and it was tough, not an easy language to learn. I had to work hard at it, but I knew I was going. it was going to be worth it in the end. Totally. <laughs> you just know that this chick is going to be fired up. For sure. And she's going to want to be with you. Yeah, also, and somehow in his mind, he had a greater chance of not seeing her in that class every time and then finding her elsewhere on campus and, and, and <laughs> right. impressing her. Hey, I'm the yeah, I'm the guy who you definitely don't remember from week one of Spanish, but now I know Chinese. So I think this was a different course that they were in together. So okay. I think he's gotcha. still in that with, I say he, I, I believe it's a he. Um, oh, this, this is definitely a guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> based on the pure level of stupidity. Yeah. Um, I wanted to wait till I was fluent in it. <laughs> and that I can hold small conversation yeah, before one, talking to yeah, her. One semester ought to do. She rarely spoke at all except to her friend. I waited till the, the last day of the semester to say something to her, ask her out, etc., etc. Last day of the semester came up, and I'm ready to talk to her. I tell her that she's pretty, and I learned Chinese so I can talk to you. It wasn't flawless, but I managed. Her translator spoke, and motherfucker, you know what he, you want to know what she said? That's really sweet that you learned Chinese for her, but sorry, she doesn't speak Chinese. She speaks Japanese. I'm the one that speaks Chinese. That's <laughs> just flawless. Oh my God. Holy shit. Dude. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that was. This guy didn't do enough. Uh... <laughs> Didn't do enough background research, I think. Man, the commitment, though, <laughs> you know, albeit maybe a little misguided, the commitment is admirable. Imagine going through a semester of learning a language just to impress somebody and finding out you learned the, long, just the str- wrong just language. Just to string together two or three sentences. And uh, yeah, it's not even, it, it sounded just like English would have sounded to her. It doesn't matter at all. My dumbass thought the whole time she was speaking Chinese, FML. The girl did give me a hug, and <laughs> thinking it was sweet, but yeah, no. I didn't see her again after that, as I think she switched colleges. Oh, what could have been? Oh, man. I feel like there's got to be more, more homework done before you completely switch up your fucking curriculum. Yeah, you may maybe be... Be Even if you certain. know that that is the language, to, to use that as your determining factor for what language? You <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, well, yeah, and just you're kind of operating under the, the assumption that your your elevator pitch, once you do, like, you know, very crudely understand the language, you're, she's just going to be all on board. Like you don't know if this girl has a yeah, girl, has a boyfriend or anything. No, like no you're just idea. like you're like give me one, you give me one sentence in her native tongue, and that's all I need. You know, bro. This this dumbass didn't even do enough research to see what language she was actually speaking. I guarantee you, he didn't look into any of her other background info. No, of course not. This is wildly presumptive. Which is probably a good thing. That's kind of creepy. Yeah, sure. But I mean, this is just a, a, a completely unnatural way to try to try to get. This is with a wild somebody. courtship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, maybe he can land the interpreter though. 
they and he now knows he can speak to her now in, in multiple languages. Sounds like they're both gone. So best of luck to you. I, or I guess go hang around the Asian contingent of, of your university. I, I, I mean, put that, put that skill to use. What, what, I mean, has to be a very small level of skill. <laughs> You'd have to assume. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Very difficult language to learn. I'm just trying to wrap my head around. Like, actually going through with trying to learn a language, just to be able to speak with one person who may take zero interest. I was going to say, never crossed his mind that like, perhaps, like, she's just not interested at all. Yeah, that, like, yeah. that wasn't even considered as a possibility. Like... A language you never intended to learn otherwise. But because this cute girl in one of your classes knows it. And, and by the way, she fucking doesn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like old... That is uh, like old-fashioned horny. That, that, that's like horny of a bygone era. That you go study up a language. And you're like, she'll see my, my diligence, my hard work. And, you know, we'll have no choice but to fall in love with me there. Um, and I mean, not only was that not the case, but he just, he didn't even know, you know, what, what her ethnic background was to begin with. It, it was just a, it was a swing and a miss completely. Uh, but what, but you know, he, he took a hack. This lady yeah. sure does look submissive. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to learn her language and, and woo her. Where can I find a kimono? <laughs> uh, where, dude... That yeah, you know, I mean, what other attempts has this guy made to to ask a lady out on a date? I don't know. I I need more stories from this person though. So it, just a, a wild train of thought. Um, Chinese, Japanese, dirty knees. Look at these. <laughs> that's what. He, that's probably what he said. Do you the, like to, bok choy? To the interpreter, yeah. Um, man. <laughs> That's uh, that's uh, admirable, though. Again, you know, p- poorly executed. Um, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one you found on a whim. Yeah, well, nice little roll of the dice there. I do see a comment here. So even after you started learning Chinese, it didn't occur to you that the language you were learning was not similar to what the girl was speaking with her translator friend. He's not that observant, dude. Did you never hear them talking to each other after the first day? <coughs> he responds. Honestly, wasn't paying too much attention to them as I was yeah. just too too excited to learn a language for a girl. They weren't talking loud enough anyway. The occasional times I did hear them, I thought maybe I just haven't learned what they're saying yet. <laughs> I haven't gotten those words. Or maybe it was a classical Chinese, which I read at the time, can be different sounding. Yeah, you know what else sounds different? Fucking Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm just simply not advanced enough. It's like you're taking elementary Spanish, and then somehow you, know, you, just, you heard a Spanish, what you thought was Spanish, and you're like, "I'm just not, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the elementary stuff." But give me a couple more weeks, and yeah. I'll, I'll be able to understand what they're saying. He didn't Google. He didn't try to pick up one phrase he overheard to, to Google that. No, he no, was just like, "I, I'll be coming along here soon enough. I'll, I'll be able to, to eavesdrop and know exactly what's going on." Um, yeah, this guy, this guy rocks. <laughs> Well, all right, I think that does it for this episode of The Break Room, boys. Um, we will talk to you all next week, and we appreciate you all for tuning in.